Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to embark on a relationship series, but not till next week. Um, and so if you came and you're like, it's going to be relationship day, uh, it's not going to be today. But, um, but we are going to talk about relationships in, in a little bit different of a way today. We, we had our serve uh, team celebration on Friday night, just honoring our serve team. Can we give it up for all of our serve team? Hey, if you're not on the serve team, you need to jump on the team. But we, we love them so much. There's no superheroes here at Fountain. We do church as a team. And, uh, and so we had a night where we just honored our serve team. And, uh, and I casted a little bit of vision. And we were going to, I was going to talk to you about this in March, but I just felt the Lord say, no, the, the, the time is now. And uh, so we're going to start our Relationship Rhythm Series next week. Uh, so make sure you are here for that. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about making space. A little bit about making space. And uh, before we jump in, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, you would speak so clearly to our heart this morning. Lord, I know that many of us walked in a particular way, but I pray that we would leave here changed. Lord, that you would help us to catch your heart. Lord, that we would see what you see. Lord, we would feel what you feel. And Lord, uh, I pray that, that you would captivate our hearts in every way. That the beauty of Jesus would captivate our hearts, our minds, our life. And Lord, all for your namesake, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about, about making space. It's interesting that as a launch it is rocking off, launching off, as, as an astronaut is inside of the, the shuttle. I mean, you saw here uh, Matt Damon uh, launching from Mars, uh, coming home. And I, I love the part when he says, thank you. Thank you for coming for me. It's like just a special moment because he's on Mars by himself. He thinks that it's over and they come and they rescue. But, but anytime that, that you're launching into outer space, there, there's a lot of shaking, there's a lot of trembling, there's a lot of shifting. Um, and you can see it, whether it's, it's NASA's launching a rocket, you see the astronauts in there just like, just going for it. And, and what's happening is, is you're launching into an atmosphere. And it's not until you break out of the atmosphere that whew, then, you're, then you're in orbit. And all the shaking ceases and, you're, and, and the view and the beauty is just like, what? In the world. And so I, I want to take a moment today and I, I want us to, 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 before we talk about making space, I want us to go up to space. And I, I want to show you uh, the Milky Way. Now, the Milky Way, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, there we are. Uh, the Milky Way is pretty interesting because it's, it's very vast. This is our galaxy. Now, Louis Giglio has done a lot of research in regards to space, and you can watch some of his stuff on YouTube. Um, I, I love the, the detail and the precision and just a lot of his study on the subject. And when he talks about the Milky Way, it's, it's pretty interesting because if you were going to travel from one side of the Milky Way to the other, it, it's a thousand light years away. Isn't that amazing? And, and in order to, to, to travel from one side to another, like if you just said, man, I, I want to go to the other side of the Milky Way, like you would have to travel at five point. 8 trillion miles per hour, and it would take you 100,000 years to cross the Milky Way. I mean, is that not amazing? Now, if I were to tell you, can you locate planet Earth in our galaxy? Mind you, this is just one galaxy in all of the universe, just our galaxy. And if I were to say, hey, where's Earth? Now, Earth is somewhere here, but it's so small that if I were to take a Sharpie and mark the TV screen, that would be significant to represent our solar system, but there's no way that you can find anything small enough to mark Earth in our galaxy. It's, just, it's, it's, it's way too vast, and Earth is way too small. But as small as Earth is, none of us would say that Earth is insignificant. Like, it's big. Now, watch your ears, and I want to make sure that the sound is good, but I want to take you up to planet Earth from space, just a view of Earth. Now, sometimes we don't take time just to look up. Isn't that true? When was the last time you just looked up in the sky and was just like, what in the world? Like, like we're on a planet called Earth orbiting in outer space right now. 
Like we don't think about that stuff a whole lot anymore, right? Because we're just going so fast. But, but earth is huge. It's, it's circumference is 24,901 miles. Earth is, it's, it's huge. You know, it spins on a perfect axis and nothing holds it up. But one full rotation of the earth takes a full 24 hours at a speed of a little bit over a thousand miles per hour. What's interesting though is every location on in the United States, there's a different spin ratio. For us, it's probably around 900 miles an hour, meaning right now you and I are spinning 900 miles an hour. That's crazy. I mean, it's crazy the fact we don't have to hold on. Like 900 miles an hour is fast. So like if you got out of bed this morning and you felt a little bit like, it's okay, you're spinning 900 miles an hour. But the precision of God is so detailed that even though we're spinning so fast, we're still so stable. You know, what's also interesting is the earth just isn't spinning on a perfect axis that takes a full 24 hours to rotate. The earth is also, it's not just spinning, but it's orbiting around the sun. You know, it orbits around the sun, which is really an accumulative of about 584 million miles at the speed of 67,000 miles per hour. And do you know how long it takes the earth to orbit around the sun? A total of 365 days. Isn't that amazing? It takes a full year for the earth to orbit around the sun. And think about this, as the earth is orbiting around the sun, what's happening here on earth is life, everyday life. And and as, as, as small as the earth is, none of us would say that it's insignificant. I mean, in light of the Milky Way, in light of our solar system, the little blip called planet Earth, life is happening here as it orbits around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour, 365 days of the year, and we are doing life. Now, let me bring you in a little bit closer. The music's gonna stop, so all the, like, the euphoria, like, it's, it's gone, see ya. Um, <laughs> But, but what's, what's, what's so amazing is, is as we look at a Google satellite picture of the Bay Area, now we're going from, from the Milky Way to the solar system to Earth, and now we're, we're honing in a little bit closer. And I thought it was interesting because if you look on the map, Pleasanton is so small, it's not even welcomed on the map. Like we got Dublin and Livermore and San Ramon and Danville and Castro Valley and Oakland, all these other ones, but Pleasanton, where are you? None of us would say that Pleasanton is insignificant. What's interesting even more, if, if you were to try to locate your house, so now we go from the Milky Way to the solar system to, to Earth to Google satellite view, but now let's try to locate your home. So if you're in Oakland, man, maybe can you find your spot or maybe you're out here in Concord in this area and we have people that come from all the way, maybe you're tracing your way over here somewhere in, in Livermore, like where, where is your house? And it's still, your house is so small, it doesn't even show up. You'd have to zoom in a lot closer. But even though you can't locate your house because it's too small on on this map, and when you think about your house in light of the Milky Way galaxy, in light of the solar system, in light of planet Earth, in light of Google Satellite, now honing in just a little bit closer, you think about how small your house is, my house is is in light of all creation. It's very small, but none of us would say it's insignificant. Why is that? Like none of us would say, my house is way too small to even pay attention to. Like forget about my house. Look at how small it is compared to the rest of the world, compared to the rest of the universe. Like no one would say that. Why? Because every person in that household matters to you. None of us would say our homes are insignificant. Why? Because everyone matters. But why do they matter? They matter because it's personal. It's personal. They mean something to you. Sometimes they may not, you may not feel like they mean something to you, but, but they mean something to you. 
And, and I think for us, as, as a church of about 400 in Pleasanton, in the Tri-Valley, as we're surrounded by a greater Bay Area of 7 million people, you know what statistics have shown is that the Bay Area is the most unchurched and de-churched region in America, meaning, meaning what, what they say about us statistically is we are the darkest region spiritually. And so as you look at 7 million people in the Bay Area, as you look at 361,000 people right here in the Tri-Valley, it can feel really daunting to believe that we can make an eternal difference. It can feel really daunting to believe that we can actually make an eternal difference in the light of those vast numbers because, quite frankly, we can feel very, very small. I mean, Google does not even recognize us on the map. And it can feel really discouraging. It can feel really daunting. It can feel really impossible unless it gets personal. Unless we start to see that there's not 7 million people, there are, are, are there's 7 million names with a story and an eternity that God cares about. Right? It's not just 361,000 people, it's 361,000 names. And the only way that it's not going to feel daunting, the only way that we're not going to say, why even try? It's so insignificant. We're so small is, is, is when it gets personal. Is when we realize that, no, 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 no. It matters. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. But the question is, then how does it get personal like that? Do we just try really, really hard to make it personal? No, see, in your household, it's personal because you love those people. Like, like, like there's, there's, there's something about the relationships that, that, that we have that it's just, like we, could we couldn't imagine, you know, something happening to the people that we love. How do we, how do we get that heart for a stranger? I'm going to tell you, the only way that we, we get that heart is, is we have to create space. We have to make space. For God to speak. We have to make space for God. See, see when we make space for God, what, what happens is, is what Jesus said. Jesus explained, and look what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. And I want you to lean into this, that Jesus said, I, I only do what I see the Father do. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean only do what you see the Father do? Well, th this word see is, it's the word blepo. It, it's, it's proper, in, in, in its proper definition, it, it means to see, to be observant, to be watchful. It suggests to see something physical with spiritual results or perception. That is, it carries what is seen into the non-physical, immaterial realm so that a person can take the needed action to respond, be aware, and be alert. And so, so I, I want you to, to see in, in a different way today. See, when, when, when we begin to make space for God, we begin to see through a God lens, and it changes our perception. It's, it's Jesus was able to look at things and it was so easy for him to move and to minister and, and miracles and happening and signs and wonders because he could take what was material and see it in the immaterial. He could see beyond and the father would speak, the father, as the father would speak and instruct, he would, he would hear and he would see his perception was only that of the father. And I started to think about King David. King David is, is kind of the highlight in our small group this last week. And if you're not in a small group, you should get in one. They're, they're so much fun and awesome. And God, God is, is, is always speaking. And, and I was blown away because if you don't know the story of David and Goliath, maybe you're new to church, you can find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You should go and read it in the Old Testament. It's a great story, true story. But, but, but the, the thing that I love about King David was, you know, Goliath is on the scene and he's, he pumps so much fear into the people of Israel, to the army of Israel, and even into the, the king of Israel at the time named King Saul. See, Goliath would come out and he would taunt them. And all that King Saul and, and the armies of Israel perceived was themselves 
and Goliath. But for King David, his perception was completely different. King David, the only thing that he could see is God. So they, was, they saw Goliath and themselves, and they saw the impossibilities. David saw Goliath, and he saw God, and was like, man, this is, this is cake. Like, how do you get to a place where you only see God? Like, what, what would, how would life be different? How would your marriage be different? How would, as a single, your purity be different? If you could only see God. And the only way that that we can see God is if we make space. Jesus said, that's all I see. I only do what I see the Father do, meaning meaning the Father has so captivated my heart. I'm so close. I'm so keen. I'm so intimate. I'm so in tune with what the Father is speaking and what the Father is doing, that it's permeating and penetrated every aspect of my life. So I don't just mostly, I just don't sometimes, but I only do what I see the Father do. I mean, that, that, that is mind-blowing. And, and something happens when you and I see God, when you and I make space for God, and God begins to speak, and God begins to reveal and show us. Can I just tell you that when you make space for God, the lights go on. And you're able to see from a, in a whole new dimension, from a whole different perception. In fact, look what Genesis says. Genesis says it like this. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. See, when we make space for God and the lights go on, we're able to discern now between light and darkness. We're able to perceive better wrong from right. We're able to to have clear vision, clear direction that's actually going to lead to life and not destruction. And how many of you guys know we need clear vision? Scripture says it very clear that without vision, people perish. They cast off restraint. There's there's no direction. And, and, And God is calling us to something. God is always speaking. God is calling you to himself. God is is wanting you to make your home in him, to make space, to abide, to make your home in him. When you make space for God, the lights go on. We can discern, we get clear vision, and we're able to separate light from darkness. Let me show you what it says in Luke chapter 15. I think this is a great illustration It says, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses them, does not leave the 99 in the pasture and goes after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, comes home and calls together his friends. And what does he say? Friends and neighbors, man, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous ones who do not need to repent. Now, now the truth is, is that Jesus' audience is religious leaders who thought they didn't need to repent, but they really did, but they just couldn't see it. But he also has an audience of sinners. And so Jesus is painting a picture for us. He's separating light from darkness. He was talking to the religious leaders and saying, man, you guys love your sheep, but you don't love lost people. Like you'll, you'll, you'll take, listen, you will leave the 99 sheep to go after that one sheep. Like you will do that for your sheep. But you have no space in your heart for the lost. You got space for your religious traditions. But you don't have space for the lost. Jesus has given us a, a great picture of separating light and darkness, religion versus relationship. See, re- religion always says, hey, it's about, it's about me and my eternity. Religion's focus is myself and what happens to me. Relationship with Christ is focused on Christ and what's going to happen to others. It's a big difference. Religion says, how can I get more for me? How can I just maintain and stabilize me? How can I just continue uh, in, in what I want to do and make sure that I'm secure? But listen, when you draw close to God, when you make space for God, your heart becomes his heart. Yeah, so good. And God loves the found. 
but he's distracted by the lost one. I mean, I don't know how many people were on the planet during Jesus' time. I don't know what the population was. But right now we know there's about 7 billion people. And for the Lord to say the one matters. Like, like it's one thing to go from the Milky Way to the solar system to Earth to Google Satellite to our, our home. But how about we go up to God's perspective? How about we, we rise above where the Milky Way, he, the, the entire world, he holds in his hands. And, and, and let, let's just take this picture from the heavenlies. God looks down, sees the universe, sees all the galaxies, sees into our solar system onto this planet and says that no matter how insignificant and small it may look, the one, the one matters. Like that just blows my mind that God is so mindful of one. Like you got 99. Who cares about the one? God says, I do. You've made room for your traditions, but you've not made space for the lost. And I'm happy to say, church, that that's not who we are. That's not our church. We have a huge heart for lost people. And the one matters to Jesus. And guess what? The one matters to us. You know, it's so funny, this Christmas, Christmas is a lot lower attended for whatever reason than Easter is. But for whatever reason, we did a fourth service. We just felt like, man, let's, we need to do a fourth service this year. So we decided to do an 815 service. And I went back and I thought about it, and I, ta- I talked to Jackie afterwards. I said, man, we really didn't talk. We think thoroughly through everything that we do. But on this first service, we just didn't think too much about it. We just said, we're going to, we're going to do a fourth service. We're just going to try it and see what happens. And so it was 8.15. See, you guys don't know this, but, but we know this. It was 8.15. Countdown's going. Nobody's here. So, so, like, as a pastor at that moment, you're, like, praying people don't come, right? You're, like, just let them, just let them forget about the 8.15, come to the 9.30 service. Lord, and then guess what? The one pulls in the parking lot. And I'm, like... I'm standing right there. I'm like, Lord, what do we do? So, so this is what I said. I said, hey, everybody go grab the serve team. Everybody from the north, the south, the east, to the west. Kids ministry, bring everybody in here because we're about to have church. And so sure enough, the, the, the one lady walks in. And man, and, and, and just the one. And then I think like a couple people trickled in a little bit late right after. But it was only like less than a handful of people. But you would have never known our serve team was here. It was our best service of the day. Everybody was shouting down. Like we, were, we were excited. But God is so kind that he would orchestrate an entire service just for the one. And look what she said. I won't share her name with you, but she said, Matt, you have a wonderful church service. Totally on point sermon. Praise God. She said, as I arrived, an usher ran across the lawn and greeted me at the door. I forgot my cell in my car, and it was raining, and an usher held up his umbrella for me. Everyone in the church was smiles and greeted me. I was like, it's our serve team. They better, right? <laughs> I was blown away. A few tears fell, but you cheered me back up with a few jokes you cracked during the service. And I haven't had a candlelight service since being at my old church at Broadmoor since 1973. She said, you gave me back my Christmas mat, not Uh, You gave me back my Christmas mat without dad, which I didn't know her dad passed away three weeks before. She said, I thought I didn't really want one, but blessings to you and your church. A very Merry Christmas to to you and to yours. And I'm thinking in my mind, the, the reason why she came here, she chose our church, was because the only service she could attend would be an eight o'clock service. I'm like, God, you designed it in such a way. And it was a test for us as a church to say, because one of our core values is we will leave the 99 for the one. And it was like the Lord saying, do you really believe that? And then I see this and I'm like, yes. All for the one. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be poor planners in the future. But we're going to be mindful of the one. But, But listen, we had to try it. Like, like it, it was a change. We had never done a fourth service. Or we, we do it on Easter, but we've never done it on Christmas. And so, so we got to keep trying stuff to reach people. 
Like, like we can't just become so comfortable that we don't make any more space. But here's the hard part, especially in church for some reason, is that making space isn't always comfortable. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that making space requires change. It just does. Like, one of the things I love about outer space is it's constantly in orbit. It's constantly shifting. It's constantly changing. But yet it's not chaotic. Like, like, do you notice that, like, the earth spins on a perfect axis and nothing holds it up? We're just far enough away from the sun so that you and I don't burn up. Like, we're, we're far enough away so we don't burn up, but we're just close enough so we don't freeze. And even though the earth is spinning and it's orbiting, like, all the stuff, it, it's, it's in such harmony because it's so strategic. The reason why it's operating the way that it is is because God spoke. Like the, or, the earth is not spinning on a perfect axis and nothing holds it up for any other reason than God says spin and stay. And so we have to be flexible as people, as the people of God and as a church to say when God speaks, man, we need to move. Not chaotically, because when God speaks, there's precision, there's order. You know, people think, you know, when you, when you talk about order and, and systems, it's like, I always tell people in church, I was like, look at the solar system. Like God's not against systems. He's a God of order. But it's important that, listen, uh, our systems and our methods never become God. That when God speaks, we need to move. That when God speaks, we have to make space. Are you guys tracking with me? And so, so even as the earth is orbiting around the sun 365 days a year, the S-U-N, I would propose that as we head into this year that we need to orbit around the S-O-N 365 days a year and, and be in tune to what God is speaking to create space. Because I'm going to tell you, in order to make space, it's going to require change. Now, some of you guys don't like change. You're like, oh, where's he going with this? I'm going somewhere, I promise. So you can let go of your seats. You can relax a little bit. But let me take you on a journey. So when, when Jackie and I first came here, we left a very comfortable space. We were at, we, we pastored at this church for 15 years that we were at. We were youth pastors and, and we had great community there. We loved our church. And then God came, God spoke on a Wednesday and three weeks later we were gone. Three weeks. Like we had no time to raise money, build a team. Like we barely had a chance to breathe. And it was change immediately into a place that we really weren't familiar with, with people we did not know, our whole family. Not a lot of explanation from God on how he was going to provide or what was, but we just had, we had the word from God. We, we knew that God was in this. We knew that Jesus was speaking to our hearts to make this move. And, and, and our founding pastors, who we love so much and we honor the mess out of them, they still attend our church. We had such a healthy transition, and it was so cool after the first service. We just got together and prayed and just rejoiced over everything that God is doing because there's no superheroes. Like, we didn't, we didn't come to, to, to save the day. No, they, well, it's just our time. They passed the baton, and for them, that was great change. And it took great courage and, 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 and you know, to, to, to let go of, of what they birthed. I mean, you could imagine for them. So we always honor the past as we move forward into the future. Because I'm going to tell you what, there's going to be a day we're not going to be here. See, we're building not for now. We're building for generations. We're, we're, we're building something that's going to, going to exceed us, far beyond us. This is God's church. This is just the season that we're in. And we need to be mindful of what God is speaking in this season so we can make space for what God wants to do. But I'll tell you, we came here, and it was different. Let me show you. It looks like this is one of my first services here. And you can see the pants are a little bit baggier. It was about five and a half years ago. And they got a little bit tighter. This is as tight as I go. Um, yeah, someone said, thank you, Jesus. But I just tell you, I'm in this place. I've never been more confident of God, but I ne I, I, I've never been more unconfident of what I'm doing. I just knew this is what God said to do. And then you transition, and, and we changed it a little bit. Now, it's interesting because right where that pole is, our, the pulpit was really like on that pole. Um, where you guys are sitting in the back there, that was a grade school classroom. And where you guys are sitting over here, that was preschool. And there was a wall right here, and there was a wall right there where the sound booth is. And so the church faced this way. And so we, we ended up adding some lights, and, 
And we weren't sure if we were going to change the name, but God had given us such a prophetic word, and you're going to hear it in just, just a little bit, but we, we really felt like we wanted to keep the name Fountain, but we did change our signage, and we dropped Christian Fellowship, and we just went to Fountain Church. And, and so here we are, and, and, and we're in the thick of it. There's TK still with us uh, playing the bass. You might see him on the guitar. And then, and then we, we blew out that wall, and this is what we did. Let me show you. This was our serve team appreciation dinner several years ago, and we had switched the stage from there to here. We blew out that wall where the sound booth is so we can get more seats as our church started to grow. God was saying, you need to make more space. And then you fast forward about a year and a half ago, we blew out another wall, and, and now here we are. And, and I remember, you know, when we did this one, this one was like the big remodel. And I just remember, I mean, no more carpets. We got concrete floors and, and like people walked in. It was like, where do I sit? I used to sit right there and it's not there anymore. Maybe I'm just going to sit here and try it. And you could feel, you could feel that everybody felt it's new. It's different. It's, there's been change. And now, now it's home. Now it's home. And every time we start to get comfortable, God says, it's time for a change. We, we, we got to make more space. Are you with me? And, and the cool thing about change is that our mission never changes. Like if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down, is that our mission is still to move people closer to God and closer to others. The great commission combined with the great commandment. Our mission never changed. It's still to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, Jesus said, and know that I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Our mission never changes. Our message doesn't change. Like the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation that does not need improvement. That doesn't change. But here's the deal is our space, both inside of us, we have to invite God to, to expand our capacity, to expand our hearts, to expand our compassion. Like we have to continue to invite God to say, Lord, make the space in my heart that you need. Lord, in this season, what do you want it to look like? What do you want me to do? And, and we gotta continue to make space for those that aren't here yet. Like we, we have a responsibility. And so, so I, I, I want you... Uh, I want you to understand this, and this is, this is super important. Like, we were trying to figure out, Lord, what, what do you have for us specifically in this next year? Like, like what, what does that actually look like? And the Lord said, make space. So I said, okay. The only problem was, is um, I, I didn't have a specific and God always speaks to me specifically. Like, Cause see, the difference, our mission never changes, but the vision does. The vision is like the mile marker. It lets us know if we're moving closer to the mission. Like if our, our mission is to move people closer to God and others, the question is, are we and how do we know? And so the vision is constantly shifting and changing. And, and, and God always speaks so specific. So we, we did our serve team appreciation dinner on Friday, on Friday night. And... Friday morning, I didn't have it. I just heard God say, make space. Jackie and I, as we're praying, we just said, no, that's what God is saying, make space. And so, so it's the morning of, now that may not be too big for you, but for a pastor, that's scary. Because I could get up on Friday night and just be like, God told us to make space, and I could wing it, but I don't want to wing it. I, I don't want to just throw stuff out there because it sounds good. I want it to be from God. I want it, I want it to be rooted in, in, in what God is saying. And, and so that morning, I get up and I just go do my devotions like we do. If, you're, if you don't have a devotional time, if you're not in the one-year Bible, can I just encourage you? I mean, you don't have to do the one-year Bible, but it's just you never know what God is going to speak on an ordinary Friday. Just by opening up his word. So I opened up God's word, and it was, uh, we were in the book of Exodus, and it was on the dimensions of the tabernacle. Great. It's exactly what I need, God. Right? All oh, this is how long it's supposed to be. The roof's supposed to be like this. This is what you're going to cover the roof with. And it's one of those moments where you're like, you want to just skip <laughs> to get to what I really need. 
but I'm a pastor and I know I'm not supposed to do that, right? There's something in the tabernacle that I need to hear. So I got through nothing in the tabernacle for me that day. And so we get to, to Matthew. It's our reading in the New Testament for that day. And, and, and we, I, I read about the, the 10 bridesmaids and, and how, how there was five of them that had oil and five of them didn't. And when Jesus came, when the bridegroom came, the five that had oil went to be with him, but the five that didn't, the door was shut. And it says, they said, hey, can we get in? And they had no oil. And then right after that story, there was a story of the parable of the three servants. The owner gave one five bags of silver, gave another one two bags of silver, gave another one one bag of silver. The guy with five bags of silver, he took it and he invested it and he doubled. And then the guy with two bags of silver, he took it, he invested it, and he doubled it. But the guy with one bag of silver, he took it and he, he buried it because he, he was afraid. And the owner was like, couldn't you have at least put it in the bank, bro? <laughs> and then he got scolded severely. And so I read through my devotions and I was like, okay. And then there it was. And God says, I've given you plans for the tabernacle. Because this last week, we've been fighting for this upstairs for a long time. Uh, trying to buy it, trying to rent it. And it was like two years ago, it was like, yes. And then it was like, no, not yet. And then this last year, it was like, yes. And then it was, no, not yet. And so finally, I just called randomly last week. And I just said, hey, just where are we at? And he said, man, some things fell through. Do you still want it? I'm like, yes. He said, well, I can have you in there by March. And I'm like, March, that's, that's like four weeks away. I'm like, say that again. And then, you know, my good friend, Debbie Stell, I'm like, I need this in writing. You need to put this in writing for me because I need to know. And so I don't have the writing yet, but I do have the verbal confirmation that, that we are going to be able to purchase the upstairs. Now, what that means, yes, you can clap for that. Now, what that means is that all of our kids will be able to be in one building. So we can get rid of the other building. And keep taking territory here, and we actually will be able uh, to purchase it. We're going to rent it for a few months, and then we're going to purchase it, purchase it for $500,000. He's, he's going to give us a, a good deal on it. And, and so, so, so that's beautiful. But then the second thing is because all our kids are going to go upstairs, they're going to get more space. We're making more space for our kids, and we get to blow out that wall, that classroom, and we get to expand our worship center one more time. So God says, you thought you didn't need the tabernacle dimensions, but... I'm trying to get you to see something. I'm trying to get you to see something material in the immaterial. And so, so, but then the question is, why do that? Because there's still a lot of people with no oil. God said, listen, you, you just can't be content that you got oil. Because there's a lot of people around. You know, the bridesmaid, they look like they had oil. They hung around people that had oil, but they had none. And I started to think, like, were the other five, like, could they just not see that there was some around them with no oil? Just doing life with people that had no oil? They okay with that? And so, so we have to be a church. God has put the need before us. He says, man, there's so many people that don't have oil. They're not ready to meet Jesus. They're headed for a Christless eternity. So God gave us the need. In that moment, I'm like, that's it. That's who we are. And then God said, now I've given you a responsibility. And he, the three servants, he said, this is your responsibility, is I want you to take what I've entrusted to you. You have 400 people on a Sunday morning. I want you to take what I've entrusted to you. I want you to invest what I've entrusted to you and double it. And, and so, 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 so what basically God is saying is, man, let's take our, our, our time, our talent, and our treasure, and let's take what, we have, what God has given us, let's invest it, but the increase has to come from him. We do our part, and then God has to do his. See, one of the things that I learned about this, this deal with the upstairs is that uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says that, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. 
See, faith is an action. It's taking the material and it's seeing it through an immaterial lens. We, we're going to take action. There's not 800 people here yet. But we're going to take action. And then we're going to be patient. And we're just going to keep doing what God is calling us to do. We're going to keep investing. We're going to keep loving. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do. And we're going to let him, we're going to let him grow it. And it's interesting. It says, do not be lazy, the scripture says, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And we have a promise that God has given us. And this is what God gave us when we first came to this church. It was Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. And it says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past, but see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Are you able to see what's not as it is? Are you, are you able to see that there are so many with no oil? Are you able to see that in the midst of 7 million people, 361,000 people in this area, are you able to see lives changed? Are you able to take that which is material and put it into the in material? Because I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a way in the wilderness and, and streams in the wasteland. You see, God is not impressed by numbers, but he's motivated by names. And, and that's why numbers matter so much. Like, numbers matter if you have the right motive. Like, like it'd be one thing to say, hey, yeah, we just want to, you know, double our church because, you know, we want to be on a magazine or we, we, we want to be one of the fastest growing churches. That's ridiculous. Like I said before, there's no superheroes here. I told our serve team this last week, this platform is only so you can see me, but we serve like this. That's it. But can I tell you, can I tell you that, that, that numbers matter, though, and I'll prove it to you. I'll prove that numbers matter because we number what we value. Like, did you check your bank account this week? Those numbers matter. Like, like if, you have three, if you have three kids and you lose one, you're like, two out of three, it's all good. Some of you, are, some of you might be like that, and that's not okay. But numbers matter when there's a name. Numbers matter when the motive is right. God doesn't care about, listen, we're, our goal is not just to fill seats. Our goal is to move people closer to God and others. That's the goal. It's not to fill a room. Anybody can fill a room. That's not the goal. Hitler filled a room. That's not the goal. We're here to move people closer to God and closer to others. And, and this is the motivation of our heart. It's found in the, in the promise that God has given us. And Isaiah continues to say this. It says, I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Why? To give drink to my people, my chosen people, the people that I formed for myself. But many of those people aren't here yet. Why? So that they may proclaim my praise, that they might taste and see that the Lord is good, that they might, that they might reflect on the words of Jesus that said, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. Like that woman at the well, they're starving in their soul. Some are jumping from relationship to relationship, from success after success. They're longing, they're thirsty, and God says, I want to give them a drink so that they can praise me. Our whole motive is so that people can drink and so that God can get praised. But here's what Gallup says. Here's the statistic. Gallup says that the number one factor for credibility in the church is the pa passion of the pastor. I think this is absolutely wrong. I said, because before you even get to hear me, there's about 20 people that you connect with on our team, outside. I, I, I think that's a wrong statistic. I think it's the passion of the church. I think it's the passion of the team way before it's my passion. Because I'm going to tell you what, if people are rude, rude to out there, they, they don't care what I have to say. That's why we do church as a team. That's why, that's why there's no superheroes except Jesus. We're, we're not building this thing on the personality or the giftings of one or even a few, but on the sacrifices of many. And God is building his church, not us. We're just investing what he's given us. We're investing what he's given us that God might increase it. That's it. So, so this is where I'm going to land the plane, and this is what I need from you. And this is how we want to invest in you. This, this year, I'm telling you, lean into this moment. 
In fact, if I could get on my knees without trying to be gimmicky or anything and just say, please, just lean into this moment and open up your heart. What I need from you and what we want to invest in you, this is what I need. It's, 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 it's not complicated. It's not complicated. I just need you to fall passionately in love with God. That's going to be your best contribution. Because if you're in love with God, you're going to hear him speak. And where he, you know, when we talk about investing our time, our talent, and our treasure, when you're in love with God, he'll speak to you in those areas. I want us to fall in love with God, church, like we never have before. Listen, the, the, the scripture makes it very clear that, that the people of the world, they'll know us by our love for one another. But our love for one another and this passion will not increase unless we are in love with God. Can I just tell you, how do we develop a passion? How do we develop this passion for, for, for lost people, for, for the world, for the stranger? Can I tell you, it's not by trying really hard. That won't work. It'll work for about two weeks when you feel bad for somebody and then it'll go away. But how that passion comes for the stranger, how everyone matters is when you are in love with God and that your heart starts to become his heart. You start to see how he sees. You start to think how he thinks. You start to feel what he feels. And that's where the game changes. See, the disciples, they were unschooled, ordinary men. And, and, and the, the, the religious leaders were blown away by their wisdom and by them operating in power. And they were just like, who are these guys? We don't know. The only thing we know is that they have been with Jesus. So what does that look like for us this year? Well, number one, I want you to develop your closeness with God. Like if you don't have a devotional life, if you're not reading your Bible, man, jump into the one your Bible. We'll give it to you. But we're not reading our Bible to read our Bible. We're not praying to pray. We're doing that to, to develop a closeness with God. But like proximity creates passion. Pastor Carl Lentz says, it's so true. The closer you get to God, the more passionate you're going you're to be about what he cares about. The more passionate you're going to be about the, thing, the things that he's passionate about. Proximity to God will create passion. Closeness with God. And so if, if you don't have a time where God is a priority, man, make it a priority. You know, you know what's really sad today? And I, and, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, what, what is another aspect of drawing close to you? And and I just felt like, man, I, we've come to a day where the most committed follower of Jesus comes to church once a month. Like, we're really a church of probably, we have 400 in attendance on a Sunday, but we're probably a church of 6, 650. But everybody doesn't come every week. You know, and so it's almost like a new spiritual discipline is just to show up to church on a Sunday. It's heartbreaking, but it's reality. So I would encourage you, man, make the house of God a priority that you might be planted in the house of God and flourish. Like God's word is still the same. Make it a priority. Now, I'm not putting any guilt trip on you or if you got to work or I'm not, I'm, we don't do that here. But I'm just saying, you know if you're making it a priority. That you would draw close to him. That you would continue to hear his heart personally and corporately. Second thing is I, I, I pray that you develop your character. Now, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but can I just tell you, you don't have to stay in your sin. Some of you guys are living in sin, and you know it, and it's hurting you. And God is like, man, my arms are wide open. You don't have to, you don't have to live in that space anymore. Like, come and get healed up. Come and get set free. Like, those addictions, God's want, God wants to break. You know what I think Celebrate Recovery is so amazing? And we have such a great team here. You know what I think is so powerful about that group? Is they, when they meet together, the cross levels the playing field. And, and, and they have no problem saying, this is where I'm at. They have a moment of confession. This is where I'm at. This is my week. And God says in that place, healing happens in James chapter 5. Like your forgiveness with God is between you and him, but healing happens as we confess our sins to one another, James says. And so I would say, listen, if you're wrestling through sin, don't do it by yourself. And this is a safe house for you to be honest, for you not to be perfect, and for you to get some healing. And so I would encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Like, jump in. Build some relationships with people that want to see God's best in your life. Lastly is this, is develop your calling. Make space for God to develop your calling. What does that mean? It means like, man, whatever you're doing at work, man, get better. 
and know that you're on mission there. At school, whatever you're doing at school, man, do whatever you can. Get better. Serve your teachers well. Serve other students well. Like, like, like let the light of the gospel shine through you. Get better. Focus on you. A lot of people say that, man, I've been on a job 20 years. I got 20 years experience. No, some people have one year experience. They've just done it 20 times. Get better this year. Say, man, I'm going to read a little bit more. I'm going to open up God's word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read in some areas. I'm going to develop my leadership. I'm going to learn how not just to tell people about God, but how, how do I lead people? How do I care for people? We tell our serve team, man, if you're on the serve team, man, get better. Like, really know what you're doing. Like, get in there and, and be about, like, man, this is about God and people. I want to serve people well. If you're a team lead, man, do it with all your heart. If you're a coach, do it with all your heart. If you're a small group leader, do it with all that's your heart. And I promise this, that something will begin to shift. See, if you're like, man, I don't even know how to develop my calling, a great next step, jump into growth track. It's not the silver bullet, but it's a starting point. If you've never jumped into growth track, jump in. It's so easy. You don't even have to do anything. I do all the talking, and we just dialogue. And you can ask me any question. Personally, you can, like, it's fair game. I'll stay there as long as you need to talk, answer questions, whatever. And anybody that's been through growth track will tell you. I'll stay there for three hours if it's necessary. Because that's how, that's how much we want to help move you closer to God and, and, and closer to others. And this is what's going to happen. If you do that, if you make space for God this year to fall more in love with him than you ever had before, shaking is going to happen. Because you're, 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 you're breaking through an atmosphere. You're going to shift. You're going to shake. It's going to, like, the enemy is not going to be like, hell, you want to develop your calling? That's cute. No, the enemy is going to not, he's not going to be excited, but he who was in us is greater than he who was in the world. And it's going to be shaking, but then I promise there's going to be a moment where it breaks. And you're like, I never thought I could be here. And you're going to look around, and, you're gonna, and we're, and we're going to look around, and we're going to say, look what the Lord has done. And so, so I want you to lean into this because I promise if we can just hold on and make space for God, the atmosphere will shift and we'll experience a super bloom. See, in Death Valley, it's a very dry place, very dry place. That's why they call it Death Valley. But even in Death Valley, there's seed on the ground that if the weather conditions are right, if it's cool in the, if it's got a cool, kind of cool in the daytime, if there's just enough rain, and if it's cold in the nights, something with that perfect atmosphere begins to penetrate the soil in a way that, and this is what you get. You get a super bloom in Death Valley. And so for some of you, there's a desert in your soul. And I just wanna tell you today, there's still seed on the ground. There may be, it may feel like a desert, but there's seed on the ground. You just haven't been in the right atmosphere. You just haven't been in the right atmosphere. So make space for God. Let him create a new space in you. Then I'm just gonna tell you what'll happen. It won't only be a breath of fresh air for you. It'll be a breath of fresh air for this world. And we'll see God do everything that he said he would do. And so listen, we're gonna, we're gonna tear down walls. We're gonna make more space. We're gonna make more space in our hearts. We're gonna make more space in this room. We're gonna take action. We're just gonna be patient. We're gonna invest our lives and see what God will do.